Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Quest for Wisdom podcast, where we search for nuggets of wisdom from the lives of some truly amazing people. Today, we delve into the weird and wonderful life of a drag queen with our guest, Bonnie Wee Laddie, also known as John Gerard. Bonnie Wee Laddie is Barcelona's only Scottish saxophone tooting, porno fraternizing, cabaret star, drag queen, and milk. Bonnie Wee Laddie has hosted the Grabbies, also known as the Oscars of Gay Porn, as well as Spain's Mr. Rubber event, and hosting and performing at Kit Kat Club in Berlin and many other high-profile events. Today we discuss sexuality, gender, cross-dressing, and many other fascinating topics. You can find Bonnie Wee Laddie at b-o-n-n-i-e dot o-u-i dot laddie. L-A-D-D-I-E. Bonnie Wee Laddie is an inspirational human, full of vitality and wit. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Welcome, 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 JG, Bonnie Wee Laddie, to episode five of the Quest for Wisdom podcast. Thank you. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> and you can choose whichever one you want, Bonnie or JG. I'm easy with either of them. I've got a whole group of people who know me as only Bonnie and... Uh, whenever they hear JD, they're like, who the fuck? <laughs> They've never heard of her before. And then, of course, the other people who don't know who Bonnie is as well. But since you're privy to both of them, I don't mind which one you choose. <laughs> well, I, I know you as both. I met you first <laughs> as JG. It was, yeah. Uh-huh. But then I think when we met at Pub Limerick, were you not, you were performing something there, were you not? Mm-hmm. That was many years ago, but I can't remember if I saw you first then in drag. No, I think it, uh, I normally did Pub Limerick in my, as myself, as, J, as JG. Um, so I was trying something new, and um, I actually I did it once with the Society of Degenerative Artists. Oh, them. yeah. I mm-hmm. did something in drag with them, and that was like the first time where I did drag, but it, it was still me as in drag. So because I've got Bonnie's an entire character that I've mm-hmm. cultivated, and then when I remember when I did that number that that show, it was the first time I'd done myself, about wearing her costume. So I, I thought that was even more vulnerable. <laughs> Yeah, because I can always hide behind her as a character on stage, um, which was interesting. So doing all that sort of thing, like the the poetry and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. was definitely a lot more vulnerable for 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 me, um, because I've always hidden behind a character on the stage. That's how I do that. Yeah, I can I can totally get that. Um, there is something extremely vulnerable about poetry, mm-hmm. and when I first, I when I first wrote some funny poems, they're all most of my poems are characters, you know. And when I first started performing them to my girlfriend, Emma, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would perform them in the character voice. But when I get on, got on stage, I just couldn't do it in those character voices. And Emma's like, do them in the character voices. It's so funny. But then for me, I was, I really wanted to be comfortable on stage, become confident on stage as myself wow. before I started doing the characters. Because otherwise I thought, Otherwise, you like I just pictured like someone like Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, yeah. amazing. But then it's like you, no one knows them as themselves, that's, and it's it's crazy. That's so interesting. Cause that's the exact reverse for me. <laughs> but I, but I, yeah. for, for me, but I, I did that. What I found the uncomfortable way, mm-hmm. because I knew that it would be more. Generally, I, I go to what's going to make me feel more uncomfortable. Okay. Because I know that that's probably the right thing to do yeah um uh, for me anyway the bravest <laughs> yeah but then um maybe we we've skipped a little bit further in so you are a human <laughs> you <and> <laughs> yeah you are a t te- i 
I've started saying that to people because I, I imagine if I run this for a decade or something, maybe I'll be in, interviewing some AIs or something. And then I'll say, you are a human. They'll say, yes. And I'll say, well, how do I know you're a human? Prove it to me. Um, <laughs> Click the square for the traffic lights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I, how do I know you're a human? You could just be a really advanced robot. Right. Um, so you're a human. You are a teacher, mm -hmm. a teacher trainer. Yeah, day job. Mm -hmm. um, you are a poet. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, a performer and a drag queen. Uh-huh, yeah. So, it's quite a mix, isn't it? It's quite a mix, yeah. <laughs> it is quite a mix. So today, really, would like to dig into the the drag queen side of things, mm -hmm. how that how that first came about. Um, and also, you mentioned to me just a little bit about how that clashed then with the teaching when, mm -hmm. when you were a middle school teacher. Um, so I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. So can you first start by explaining a little bit about when when you were growing up? Um, and how it all developed, how you developed into you, JG, and mm. you, Bonnie Wee Laddie. Great. Well, JG is like, my, my name is John Jeddard, um, and it's, I mean, kind of Irish Catholic. I'm, I'm from Scotland, if you can't tell by the accent. But um, yeah. Not Glasgow. Uh, from Glasgow, absolutely. <laughs> but like, um, Irish Catholic family, very, very, like, kind of, kind of strict upbringing. Um, and, and kind of the church is very, um, very iconic, very, 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 um, very important um, mm -hmm. for the for the for the for the, for the you know, growing up. I was an altar boy, blah blah, all that sort of thing. Although seven years an altar boy, not one priest tried to fuck me. So fucking ridiculous, <laughs> you know. So their father, love your handbag, nice nothing. You know what I mean? Fuck whatever. Um, but <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I did did the whole Catholic thing for years. Um, and what actually I kind of like like pomp and ceremony and the. The glamour of the Catholic Church um actually <laughs> kind of inspired the drag. Like mm -hmm. I like I would go to church and I, I loved the whole the whole drama, the dramatics, the theatrics of it. You know because you know what, what is what is what is Sunday mass? It's just drag brunch, really, isn't it? <laughs> a guy in a dress, you know, giving out bread and wine, making everyone <laughs> sing songs. It's fucking drag brunch. It's what I do every Sunday. <laughs> so yeah, I just see. I kind of see it as the um you know like a, a something just exactly the same. But yeah, the, the Catholic Church kind of did have an influence because of course. I mean, without going into all the the highs and lows and dramas of you know being a queer or being a, a gay kid um in the nineties in Scotland um under the Catholic Church like you know I you know I first knew I was different and I first knew that I, I first was bullied I suppose or being or told that you know you you weren't right or you weren't you weren't correct um by my family and mm. by the Catholic Church not by peers. That came later. Everyone, everyone figured had me figured out before I had me figured figured out. So um, how old were you when you figured it out? I mean, I was straight until I was twenty. <laughs> yeah. girlfriend a lot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But I, but um, you but you you were consciously aware that you were gay and hiding course, it. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I knew like I think everyone kind of says this kind of become a cliche. Now. We all I always knew I was different. Mm. You know, I always knew that I you know I didn't like. They like the regular stuff, the football, all that, and that, that was done for me. I was, uh, I was definitely the one wearing wearing mum shoes and all that sort of <laughs> drama. Um, and you know, be I was in theatre, I did dance and that sort of thing. And uh, so I knew I was, I was, I was different from the other boys. And then same sex attraction didn't really kick off until, um, funny enough, um, <laughs> it was my dad's fault actually. Um, I, uh, I was years I kind of like not want to do football. And then he kind of like said, like, come on, let's do try something. Let's go into rugby. And 
rugby. I'm sure most of you know it's probably the most homoerotic sport in the world. Um, and it was then when I was like, oh shit, this is brilliant, <laughs> but for different reasons. Yeah. And that's kind of when I was like, I figured out like, okay, this is what I am. But big secret, and it was. I remember I I, I managed to come out to a guidance teacher when I was like 16 and said like I think I might be blah 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 and taken to a priest right away, <laughs> you know and. You so, know, it was just it was something it's never allowed to be. Um, and then it when it was I I will always kind of bring it back to like the church is like a big big, a big indicator, a big a big problem, you know, a big problem, um, for me at that time, and uh, that's what kind of kept me in about it. And it wasn't I was not that I was a big believer or anything, but you get brainwashed, you get mm. completely like like this is this is what it is, this is what you believe, this is you know there was there was no cut turn away from it. And even though I didn't, I wasn't a big believer by the time I was sixteen seventeen, like I wasn't. A church goer i wasn't part of the catholic church but i had all the, all the damage had been done mm-hmm. you know i'd already believed like this okay i can't be this whatever whatever it was i was i remember i was told by a, a nun um who had me figured out again before i had me figured out and she said that um the lord god will forgive your thought impure thoughts but he will not forgive impure acts that's what i was told when i was 15 <laughs> you know and uh, i don't know if she was talking about wanking or get i don't know what she was talking about but i had I kind of had to figure it out, and I understood, um, mm. um, and so repress, repress. I didn't, I didn't want it. So it kind of came from, it came from a bit of all that, and then self-loathing and all that sort of thing. And it wasn't until yeah, I was really after I left uni, and so I figured out like no. But interestingly, um, alongside that, drag always put. A, I was always, I was always in drag <laughs> in some way or another. Um, I was always like, I was always dressing up. Halloween was always the, the kind of ample time for it in secret um i'm sure other gay boys out there will definitely um recognize putting the t-shirt on your head and that was your hair up little up to it absolutely we all did it um and and yes yeah, so that it was always that was always there and um and then it kind of came out more when it was actually when i moved to, to spain from scotland when i was able to kind of go like basically start again mm. in a new place new environment n- you know new people and just be the exactly who I should have been the whole time, but didn't let myself be that way. Yeah, because I, I find that the, um, like my my dad's side of the family is Irish Catholic, so I have some experience in going and going to mass like when we go to Ireland and stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't go anymore, but my dad's always hated religion and hated the institution, hated everything like that. Um, but I remember him telling me, and I know some of the people in, in the area that, that it happened to, that they told me that, if when you were younger they suspected you were gay you would be sent off to be a priest to be like converted and if yeah. you were and even and on the on the female side of it if you happened to be raped or something by you know a family member or a cousin oh, you'd yeah. then be impure and then they would send you off to be a nun off to the, off to the mad ones the yeah exactly yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you end up you end up with these you know repressed for, for men repressed gay men yeah being trained by priests who may also be repressed gay men you know not all of them obviously there are there are plenty of priests that go into it just because it's a good job really and they like it but then you do end up with this cycle of abuse and repression and weird kind of sexual energy that's all trapped and all these poor girls that have been raped through no fault of their own that then end up in there and it's it's horrible No, it's really awful, horrible awful. thinking about and, st- and still the repercussions are still being suffered you know especially in ireland jesus that place <laughs> yeah um, but the repercussions are still being you know like still coming out now and all the scandals and everything and it's still there and 
just that, that I'm just glad I'm out of it. My my mum, my mother's still a a believer and an attender, mm-hmm. um, but but allow you know we kind of came to kind of an agreement like okay you do what you want, but I never got a real. It's not just like a, oh I don't believe it. It's a real like it's a vendetta, like a hatred I have for it because it I feel like it robbed me in the first fucking twenty years. Mm. You know, of like of me being being a hundred percent like okay, no, it's because now I look at kids now, and if it shows. I don't know if you've seen the show on the, the show Heartstopper on mm. Netflix. A lot of people have it. It's like basically teenagers, gay teenagers, something like that. How fucking dare you? <laughs> you know, like I'm fucking so I'm so jealous of it. At the same time, so delighted that we're out in a world that that's the case. But you know, I feel like you know these fucking queer teenagers not suffering like the way I suffered. <laughs> it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I love it. Of course, it's it's brilliant. They've come. They are never now at that stage. But I do feel like a tinge of like envy and and rage, and and it is that. I mean, it's not just the Catholic Church. There was a, there was a yeah, whole fucking societal shift has happened in the past, like even between five and ten years. You know, things have like changed for 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 the better, of course. Um, and and yeah. So, but I still look, I still look back and feel that the Catholic Church had a major part to play in that for me. You know. But it's super interesting what you mention about the the kind of theatrics of the church because right. there is a beauty to ceremony. There is a beauty to, in, in my opinion, anyway, a beauty to, tra- to tradition, right. ceremony, ritual, and I think it's something that we are drawn towards. It's camp. <laughs> it is <laughs> the, camp, the, the royal yeah. the royal family camp. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. And, I, and as a Scottish person, I'm a staunch anti monarchist, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watch it. and I go, oh my god, it's fantastic! Like it's you know, I watch the her funeral you know and it was just camp it's fabulous yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah there, there's everyone and even british people kind of like we have that it's it's, it's in us as well mm. uh, that pageantry and pomp and ceremony it's just yeah yeah and like even just dressing people up to the high heavens mm-hmm. you know and the what they call the royal guard where they wear those big red outfits and the, the, the black, beefeaters, the beefeaters yeah. sorry <laughs> Um, like I was watching the Meghan and Harry documentary today and it's oh, actually really interesting because I don't really know anything about the royal family um, but it's just interesting it shines a light on partly on some of the ceremony that's involved but partly on um, just the paparazzi involvement and like you cannot imagine how crazy it is without being experienced in it but then they're explaining it and you're like oh my god like there's people imagine having people surrounding your house all the time yeah. trying to take photos through your windows and stuff and Wild. while you're there but what they said was that when will and kate came to visit them megan didn't realize that that formality and like pageantry actually extends into private life oh yeah so it's, it's all hierarchy it's, it's all, all hierarchy it's all, yeah, like, huh? i mean even though it's his brother her brother-in-law and her sister-in-law they're coming over and she's there said she's wearing like jeans and no shoes or something and gave them a hug and they were just like couldn't handle it yeah, and all this not... stuff because she thought it would just be like you know that's on show yeah. and then behind closed doors it's normal but she said it's so ingrained i thought that was so interesting wow. but you also mentioned um about how your family didn't react so well to the coming out do you think do you think that the bad reaction is for fear of reprisal from God or from society. Yeah. In your mum's case, for example. Great, great question. It wasn't. I didn't get such a backlash from my mother. Um, she's actually she's she's my number one champion champion actually. Um, but I think her fear was that I was going to be. She, her fear wasn't from God. It was. It was we kind of. At that point, we kind of come past that. And then um, as, as an adult, I wasn't that. That was not what my fear was, or, or hers, in that matter. She was concerned that like 
I was going to have a harder life. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was what her fear was. Um, and my, I think my dad was also kind of like that as well. But he had his own kind of like macho shithead uh, hang-ups to deal with, which are now, thankfully, um, we've kind of a huge journey with my dad. <laughs> um, we spent, you know, tumultuous years together. Um, really, really difficult. Um, he actually gave me my original drag name. Um, when I was going through drag names, I thought, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to say. It was Jesse Handbag. Um, so Jesse, you know, I'm sure you know as well, like Jesse in the UK, is, it was like you know, a slur for a boy who was a bit effeminate, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we Jesse. And then Handbag was, what more feminine items can you have? <laughs> like, so my dad christened me Jesse Handbag when I was like eight years, <laughs> eight years old. Um, and, but for me, like, okay, it's funny, but like for me, like, that was like the worst thing you could be. Like, and I didn't realise what Jesse Handbag was. But until I started realizing, you know, I would I would drink something and have my pinky up and or I'd, or I'd, or I'd laugh a certain way and, and I'd be told, stop in a Jesse handbag, and I was like, oh, shit. So the worst thing I could be is a Jesse handbag. I don't want to be that or her, whatever the character is my dad cultivated for me. Um, and it, I, I worked it out that it was whenever I was whenever I let my guard down and I was myself. That's when I was a Jesse handbag. And I was like, oh shit. So I was seven, eight years old working this out and going like, okay, I had, so I had to like change myself mm-hmm. and like you know code myself and I'll get you know code switching you know like whenever I was with my dad or around his his part of the family I had to code switch into being not a Jesse handbag and then when I was with my mom or my, or our people and people who were like aware of me I could be back to myself but whenever my dad was around I had to code switch into that like not hardly butcher I was never butchered off in my life please um <laughs> but like there was like it was maybe like less and I tried to kind of stay back from the being a little screaming queen or a little Jesse handbag but it was, but it was like, so it was a name that really hurt me for a long time. It was like, it was the worst thing I could be. Um, and then my original drag name, I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be just a handbag. It's so ridiculous. Um, but then there was a major shift between me and my dad at that point because up until then we hadn't really seen eye to eye. We didn't really much of a relationship. But then when I turned thirty, um, I, I he came to visit me, mm-hmm. and in, and when I was I was living in Andalusia at the time, and um, I told him about the drag and stuff like that and you know wasn't sure how he was going to take it and loved it became an instant fan he said to me oh wait is that what lily savage says i was like exactly that <laughs> exactly lily savage um and so and then he came to see a show so i could no longer operate as jesse handbag so i had to go to bonnie wee laddie um which for any scottish person you'll know instantly what it means but bonnie wee laddie is you know, bonnie is you know, handsome or cute. We is the diminutive because I'm, you know, a tiny person. <laughs> and Laddie is, of course, boy. That's what my grandma used to call me, her bony wee Laddie. So both Aww. of my drag names were given to me by a family member, unbeknownst to them, <laughs> christened. Um, but one was has definitely a more positive light um, because Jesse Handbag was originally um, a, a kind of fuck you to my dad kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like taking the name and like, the, the way that, you know, the, like, the gay people most of us, some of us, um, you know, like rebranded the the F slur, the the faggot slur. Like I use it, but I feel like it's my word. I can use it, mm-hmm. um, kind of like the way black people use the N word, I suppose. Um, but so for me, it was like a rebranding of it. And but now, now I, I don't use it. And now it's just like, okay, we'll go for Bonnie Wee Laddie, and it's yeah, it works better. Cause there's definitely more positivity that comes from it. Um, yeah, well, it's a nice play on words, and yeah. it's like, uh, I I think it's a great name. But it was, it's, I was actually talking. I can't remember. I think it was because. Emma went to see the the drag show on Wednesday. Oh um, yeah, uh-huh. I couldn't go because I had this other event. But um, she was saying that someone there was talking about when their 
their dad found they, they hadn't spoken to their dad for ages and then their dad added them, them on facebook and then they thought they had to tell their dad like by the way before you add me um like i'm a cross-dressing alcoholic like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he said like yeah don't worry your photos aren't private i can see that my son's a, a cross-dressing yeah, yeah, gay yeah. boy or something <laughs> like that but didn't mind and then we just got onto the topic of how how messed up it is that parents can disown their their children mm. for being you know gay lesbian whatever and like just how messed up that is for that to affect someone so much that they would abandon and disown yeah. their child like the psychology of that like what it what is going on is it does it tap into their own repressed sexuality maybe does it is it is it this fear of rejection from society is it the fear that they will be the parent will be rejected and so they don't want anything to do with the child or that it, it's such a shame that they can't believe that they've spawned something like that like it's so i think it's just like form of narcissism as well mm. because like everyone wants you know you know my, my, my mom like my mom would come up with something like oh i suppose i'm gonna have grandchildren i'm like it's not about you <laughs> you've had your fucking kids <laughs> you know i know you want the grandchildren for me that's for sure but like um i've been very lucky in that sense that i did not experience that kind of rejection mm -hmm. but the fear of it is real yeah like 100%. and that and that's why it took me so long to to come to terms with it and like from first of all get over my own like self-loathing and get over that and then for the, the, the possibility because it's always a risk and i was the possibility that it might happen that fear was very legitimate because i have got friends and i do know people who have suffered that and it's unthinkable it's unfathomable it's horrible and i you know, my, my heart goes out to these people, you know, and that's why a lot of gay kind of families, <laughs> gay people cultivate their own families, their own, you know, their own real, you know, fam home away from homes kind of thing. Um, we've got one here in, in Barcelona, um, it's called Pluma. Oh. And you know about Pluma? I've heard of it before. So, it's a refuge, isn't it? So Pluma, Pluma's actually a club night. <laughs> mm. um, so you know, you know about, um, in Spanish, um, the phrase tener pluma? No, so I have to have courage. No, so pluma literally means Feather. um feathers, mm -hmm. right? So if you say like it's, it's in Spanish, say I mean I think it's any pluma, like he's got feathers, um, it means that he's a bit, a bit effeminate, <laughs> you know, uh... right? Um, like like a peacock or like uh, you know, you've got feathers, but it, it, it's a slur, it's a derogatory, you know. You've got to look at this, he's like any pluma, and and also in the gay community, being, you know, re really recently up until now, you know, like having any kind of like femininity was seen as weak or unattractive mm -hmm. like on grinder you'll see like zero pluma or you know no femmes no feminine like oh. like like that would be like considered unattractive it's just it's misogyny it's what it's pure misogyny um is it misogyny though oh it's 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 um what do we call it uh internalized homophobia um where we're like this kind of idea that the only way to be attractive in the gay community is to have this like masculinity about you Oh. I did my number about that on last last weekend about when I did the the, yeah. the macho man number, mm. which is ridiculous. Um, but but also, so that's so, sorry. Back to that the, the club night. So my 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 friend, my best friend, and mother of Pluma, Joan, and uh, the DJ Big Balls. Mm. They have their we have a club night every it's a little bit of promotion every Friday every every <laughs> last Friday of every month in Belize. Um, we have a club night called Pluma, and there are a whole horde of pluma girls and pluma boys and pluma trans and everybody we're all there together and it's a wonderful kind of like family and it's started by joan who's from london 
um and it was like a response to to that to there not being anything like that here in barcelona so that's specifically for people who are wanting to go and peacock exactly yeah that's a nice way to put it <laughs> yeah exactly um but again it's that kind of like the way i talked about rebranding jeffy handbag or mm-hmm. rebrand the word faggot rebranding the word pluma because it, it has these negative connotations of being effeminate weak feminine whereas now like all of these things are actually powerful and all the things that I mean, what it's really taught me is like all the things that i used to hate about myself like being jetty handbag being feminine being a little poof <laughs> um is now so empowering it's exactly what people love about me yeah and what what people think is special about me and um and that's really empowering because it took me a long time to get to a stage where i was where i didn't hate that even even i mean even as recently as like you know six or seven years ago before i did drag mm-hmm. um i i i, I whenever I, if I go on a date or something i'd always try and like boot chopper like again mm. code switch you know not be dirty handbag and be that kind of like the way i would be when i was eight years old around my father it was just mental um and it's, it's recently is like 25 years old you know um, that's so that's so i i never realized that even within the gay community you have that sort of discrimination no one hates gays more than gays hate gays <laughs> right. yeah uh that's that's insane because mm. i did know that there's a lot of um judgment goes on and people are especially judgmental of each other that's from what i've heard from gay friends that mm. people are incredibly mean to each other yeah i mean um i mean i don't want to paint the gay community as a horrible toxic place Um, there's actually a lot of love and warming and and growth is happening as well um but because we've got so many sub subcategories of gay you know um i won't go through them all <laughs> um but there's there's a lot of infighting and and when i say subcategories of gay i mean subcategories of lgbtq plus blah blah blah, blah mm-hmm. the whole alphabet um and there's a lot of kind of infighting and microaggressions going on all over the place um whereas i really believe that while we are making strides to be more inclusive across the board there is one we're we're still under threat it's not we're not the fight isn't done you know we're still we're there's there's you know a few, few weeks ago you know a guy walked into in colorado walked into a gay bar and shot and killed five people and maimed Jesus. another 20 just walked into it when i walked into a drag show and started shooting up like i mean like that 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 happened weeks ago so i think like if we, there's less infighting of like he's too femme she's trans i'm transphobic blah 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 or you misgendered me and i'm like hold on a minute <laughs> can we deal with these guys for they're coming in and shooting people yeah. you know like that i feel like there's a there's a lot of infighting and i understand that you know that's another that's, a, that's a definitely another podcast <laughs> um on that but like i feel like there's a lot of infighting within the community um but yeah back to the kind of main thing about the, the mask for mask plumophobia that kind of like it's 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 very real i did um, find it very interesting that um that there's like like you said about the categorization and that i don't think that well it's not that i can think of exists in the straight community of kind of right. bear cub um, <laughs> yeah, all, all that all type right. of yeah. different categories where it's like you're, well, you're you're put into a sort of category and that's the category you are and all that i think that that can have that that's more of the categories of like sexual preference right um, about like yeah like that that kind of comes more down to that i, I was referring to like lesbian bi trans you know oh, <laughs> all, all right, that umbrella right. that kind of category but yeah you are right there's even more subcategories <laughs> below that as well jesus yeah no we're 
on a very clicky group. <laughs> what do you think I would be? What would be my category? Um, you're you're quite tall, so you could and you you, you work out. Yeah, you could be you could probably be the kind of a jock category. Mm. You're quite yeah, you're quite fit. Um, <laughs> you know, you, I don't know if you're hairy or not. No, I'm not very hairy. No. Because, like, with your size, if you're a bit more hairy, you could, you could maybe, you could maybe be like a muscle bear. A muscle bear. Maybe, oh, I yeah. like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Need to get some more hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all, it's all, it's crazy that there's fighting going on within. It's like you say, like sort out the real big problems mm. first. Oh, well, and... what, what I will say though, um, especially about like you know, like the homophobia and all this kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like it's actually getting better. And I think shows like RuPaul's Drag Race have actually done a lot of good. Um, it's, got a, it's done a lot of problems as well and, and kind of made things a, a bit more difficult. But we'll come to that in a moment. I think, first and foremost, it's done a, good, a lot of good because what it has done is it's um, humanised drag queens. Um, for a long time, 10 years ago, drag queens, even I, you know, when I, before I did drag, and I always saw drag queens before I saw them on TV as these, like, underground like maybe unable to separate drag from trans and drag from cross-dressing and whatever um or transvestism um but now but like what drag race has done is kind of given these you know you've seen you know 75 percent of the show is them out of drag talking about their lives so you can you kind of see the real person behind the mask and the the paint and the wigs and all that sort of thing and you get like a real story or an edited version of a real story for tv but it's still this kind of like humanizing them. It's made drag cool. It's made it more mainstream. I don't know how long this wave's going to last for, but I'm definitely going to ride it as much as I can. Um, because, you know, people want to see it. Straight people want to see it. Everyone, it's, it, it, people are enjoying it and, and getting to see the art form behind it. And it's mm-hmm. not just some like, some bloke in a dress doing blankety blank like it used to be with Billy Savage, you know? Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. It is just an art form, mm-hmm. you know, like, you might go to see a comedy show that's stand-up comedy, or you might go to see poetry or spoken word or whatever, and drag is its own thing, because it is comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, usually there's... It there's, can be, yeah. Uh-huh. There's, well, the ones I've seen, it, it is people kind of... They're trying to make the audience laugh anyway. And, um, you know, then you've got the outfits, which are obviously mega extravagant mm-hmm. and sometimes ridiculous, and then you've got, like, the arts showing or whatever. And yeah. It is, for me anyway, I had my first proper show last week at your show. Uh-huh. Um, which was awesome. So it was like a dinner, four course dinner with just yourself and another one, uh, another drag queen called Jono, just kind of interacting between each other, making jokes about sexuality and really playing up to the fact that you're men dressed in uh, dresses right. and well, gay men dressed in dresses and just, it was, it's hilarious. And it is so for, for a straight person, it is so funny to see because it is, it's almost like a connection to the feminine because obviously you see a man that's doing that uh-huh. and it's like it's a connection to this other feminine side of the world and it it's 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 really i don't even know how to put it into words it's something it's something different it's very different i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was hilarious and i'm glad yeah i know i think i think it's because i think my, my dad saw it you know um again he came to see it again in in april there I did drag brunch and um and he was like he was bowled over by it he was just like it's just it's just an entertaining show mm. I mean for drag people do drag for many different reasons me I'm an entertainer first and foremost you know um I I, I try to sing um I play sax I I 
think I'm funny and stuff. It's a bit of comedy, um, and I I can dance a bit. I'm quite flexible. I don't think I can dance well, but I can <laughs> I can definitely land. Yeah, because you, you can do like splits. And I don't stuff. know. I don't know a few splits. Oh, I, like, <laughs> when I see fun. men doing that, I'm just like, oh god! <laughs> I just think of myself ripping in half. <laughs> it's come I've come close a few times, um, but um, for me, I, I'm a performer first, and like mm. drag for me is like kind of lovely vehicle for me to kind of expose like kind of I mean, i'm not i would call a jack of all trades like i don't think i'm like amazing at one particular skill but i can do them all to a relatively well standard yeah, yeah um and then and then like all these like basically circus acts drag is the kind of clown car there's a little metaphor drag mm-hmm. is a little clown car for me to like you know show you them all yeah because you know, yeah. there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of uh performative outlets where i can do sing dance tell tell, tell jokes play play the saxophone <laughs> um and and serve and serve you cocktails and and, and food like it's like it, it's a, it's a very eclectic experience and i feel like i'm that i'm that kind of person like i am i've, I've got my fingers in many pies so to speak yeah. and I, I definitely i i think drag's a kind of great outlet to do that and of course i do i, I do get uh, i do enjoy the like i said the catholic church of big inspiration all that pomp and ceremony, all the pageantry of drag that, that comes into it, the rhinestones, the feathers, the, all that sort of jazz. Um, because I've had it drummed into me that <laughs> I love, so I love it all, all the time, basically. So yeah, but I'm glad that, that it's not like someone like you know, you can see that you can use something like you can like uh, appreciate it for what it is, which is a show. It's entertaining. Yeah, because I've um I don't hang out with them as much anymore. Um, but I had two good friends. They're a couple, like a gay couple. And um, I'd always be hanging out with them at the weekend. And we, sometimes they would be put on like RuPaul's or something. And mm-hmm. I never particularly enjoyed RuPaul's because it's more just about the dressing up and, you know, walking around the stage right, or a bit of dancing. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's not that interesting to me. Um, so I didn't know really what to expect at all from the show. I didn't know it was going to kind of be so interactive and um, I would say singing and dancing and that that's me and Joan though. We have a really nice chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's a few drag shows that are like that. Like <laughs> you can go and you go, Oh Jesus, when's it over? <laughs> mm. Um but no, we support all drag here. <laughs> um but I know what I look for in a drag show, um, which might be a bit old fashioned then. I like I like to go and be entertained and you know, costumes are lovely, but the the the, the wow of a co- the wow factor of a costume is over in six seconds. Yeah. You know, you see, wow, my God, you look amazing. So what are you going to do for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, like, there's a lot of, like, new kind of fashion queens who are beautiful, stunning. But as far as I'm concerned, they've won a genetic lottery because <laughs> they happen to look amazing. Mm. And they paint they paint their faces beautifully and they have gorgeous clothes. And then it's, like, on the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I, like, I like someone to entertain me. Mm. Um, that's what I look for in, in that's what I do for my drag. That's what I look for in my own drag queens. But, like I said, it's a wonderful, uh, it's a it's a wonderful art form because there are so many different facets to it, and anyone who's not arsed about someone telling a joke or singing a song, but is more interested in the fashion element, then there is something for you, especially in Barcelona. Barcelona is, I, I was going to say saturated, but that's a negative word. Is <laughs> teeming yeah. with with drag talent, and there's lots of us, and there's lots going on, all different styles. Um, and there is literally I hate this phrase but there's something for everybody mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the drag scene in Barcelona it's huge there's a lot going on yeah yeah Barcelona is, seems to be a very inclusive city and uh, the locals just I think they're so even myself now I've become so accustomed to it there was this guy walking around um, the other day just in this ridiculous outfit it was basically just 
following people like not drag outfit just some like ridiculous outfit and he was just basically following people and just irritating them right and but i was just like at first i just kind of looked at him but then i was like filming him for a little bit and then i re- i was just like this is this is just barcelona i was yeah. like i'm so desensitized there's a guy that dresses up as maleficent walks around shouting at people um and it's just like this is just the weirds of black alien have you seen black alien no oh my god let me i've got to get this up um this is black alien project for anyone listening on facebook uh, instagram sorry he's done loads of body modifications because i think that he feels he's an alien i haven't seen him around in ages now because he used to always be in raval um but then oh my god maybe he's off i don't know i can't find black alien i think project. i think i saw him in madame jasmine's one yeah, you probably would have. Yeah. Whoa, has he come off? He's got he's got like black eyes, right? Like he's he like dyed his eye his eyeballs. Yeah. This so this is his fan page. For some reason, I can't find him. Maybe he's come off it. But I think he might have come off oh, Instagram. Oh my god, that's incredible. Someone Jesus. might be able to see that. But um, yeah, like you just see that walking around. Obviously, I remember I saw him years ago when he wasn't anywhere near that extreme. Like he's chopped off his ears. He's chopped off half of his nose. Uh, he's like, he's chopped off two of each of his fingers mm-hmm. on each hand. I think he's chopping off his dick at some point. And chopping like, it off. I think so because he, he he on his on his page it used to say like thirty or forty percent evolution, as in no, I think the maximum I saw was about thirty out of a hundred percent, and that's what he looks like at thirty percent. And he has this whole plan of all the things he wants to do, and all these implants and crazy stuff, but. I watched an interview with him and he, oh, maybe I'm going to get him on the podcast, but um, he said that because he's got no ear, like your ear is basically like a satellite dish. Yeah. So it means that then it directs the sound in. So he said that when people talk to him from front, he's hearing sounds from all around. So like he can't distinguish where sounds are coming from. And also he said with his nose, when it's cold, because your nose is supposed to warm up the air that goes up your nose. And it's why typically... Um, people in poor, in colder countries have longer, thinner noses because it takes the air gets warmed up more. And people in hotter countries and more humid countries tend to have shorter, flatter noses because right. it cools down there as it comes in. But if you chop off half of it, that cold feeling that you get when it's really cold, you know, and you breathe in and it like stings your nose. So when it's cold, he gets that all the time because it's basically hitting the flesh that's on the inside of his nose all the time. So is, is he? It sounds like he's regretting things or. I don't think. I mean, no. he's moving forward. Right, so, right, right. But that's what I mean. Like, I see. Just, I want to see him make a cup of tea. Like, I see whenever I see, whenever I see someone like that, I'm like, I want to see you like sit down and watch TV and do something really normal. Because like, all the, this is all like really extravagant and really for show. Mm. Um, it's like well, the funniest thing I've ever seen is like is is, is uh like a drag queen eating lunch really quickly. <laughs> like you're you're dolled up like ridiculous and you're doing something really mundane. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, but now it's just just so desensitized to all the different people all in like a relatively small space people walking around i think the locals as well are just so desensitized it's just people are i feel like much more free here to than you would be in a lot of other places just because there is so much going on there there is but i'll tell you what though um i do i do move around the city in taxis when i'm in drag Mm. and just because i've had a few experiences that have made me go no i'm not doing it um, I've done public transport. I've done them. If I'm with, if I'm with a group of people, I'll do it. But by myself, I think like, like, because in Barcelona, like you said, there is a lot of 
you know people are desensitized things but there's everybody's in barcelona like right. you've got you've got people who are like really left-wing really really liberal really like whatever and you do have the fox supporters they're here as well you've got right we've got everyone in the city it's, mm. it's a big city and everyone's here and there has been well you know recent most recently there's been a lot of like you know violent attacks on gay people and trans people in the city um and in spain in general like, i don't know do you remember last year the the young boy who was killed um samuel did you hear about him no i don't remember that no he was killed just before pride last year or just after pride um he uh he was like 20 years old or something and in la Coruña, and um and just just got absolutely attacked by a group of people and killed him why just like so like i'm very aware of that and i don't and i don't i'm not that i'm scared i'm just aware like barcelona you get robbed in barcelona quite Sorry. easily and the violent crime isn't that common but it is it does happen and when i do mm. when i do read about it i hear it happens and it's normally my community that are targeted so i'm like fuck it i'll spend a 10 hour taxi yeah i'm privileged that i'm able to do that and um, but i always factor it into the, the gigs you know whatever i'm making in that gig whip off 20 quid for the taxi there and back because mm. you know uh i'm just i'm just not it's not worth it i'm just not going to and then, trundle down because I, of course when i go to my gigs i go with suitcases and wig heads and stuff so it's you're really vulnerable anyway um so no i prefer just to on the safe side because i have had experiences like um, what um so the, the kind of worst one that happened was um halloween which is ridiculous halloween everyone's dressed up mm. it was halloween 2019 pre-pandemic remember mm. your mind back um and uh i came out of one of the clubs i was working i've been doing a gig in and I was going to just want to walk up the road. Um, and I was on, like, in, in Ejambla, like, David Tapion with, um, like, I don't know, David Tapion with Leo Lorwell or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, I think what happened was, from what I understood, well, what I, what I understood, what I understood was um, the guys maybe thought that I was, like, a, a, a trans prostitute, maybe. Uh-huh. And they were they were asking for, you know, how much and stuff. And I was like, that. no, it's not happening. And then it kind of the altercation kind of rose a little bit, and they 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 do it to attack me. But you know, luckily, under the wig, I am a five foot eleven, you know, big boned <laughs> uh, Scott Glasgow boy who, if provoked, will go into Glasgow mode. And uh, you know, you don't don't fuck with. And and that 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 was I was drunk as well, and I was carrying my shoes in my hand. Mm. you know so fucking guy got a stiletto to the head so it's just i don't i don't know i didn't know that condone violence at all but like i that scared me like it was like there was two yeah. of them and i had to and miraculously but, i got there was a taxi driver nearby and stuff and it was okay but were they were they asking trying to solicit your services or <laughs> trying to solicit a service um genuinely or they were just like taking the piss sort of thing I, I don't know i think it might be taking the piss I think, right i think they decided that they were gonna have a go at me and then because they thought i was a trans prostitute or something mm-hmm. or i don't know they, they what they had worked out that i wasn't a cisgendered woman and they were gonna have a have a pop at me and that's what they were and that's what it was whether or not they were actually actively looking for business uh, i'm not sure but uh, it didn't but anyway it, luckily it ended in a i wasn't hurt or anything but mm. um but yeah i've always and then i've had another few ones just, and it can just be something really simple like someone saying something it doesn't have to be a physical altercation someone but someone saying something or shouting something at you and you're by yourself is yeah. super super scary and, and you're just you're really in that moment you realize 
fuck, I'm a sitting duck right now, I'm a target. Um, so I just choose my, choose not to put myself in those situations now, and um, which sucks because I should be able to jump on on and off metros, you know, in full drag and you know like this guy and not and, and no you know and no one kind of bats an eyelid and that and that does happen to the best the best times but like I just don't want to be in a situation where it might not happen. Yeah, I get you know. You. So it's, it's still we're still not there yet. You know, it's nice that you that you've seen it and you've kind of become like desensitized to things, but there are people who are. If anything, seeing that sort of thing just irks them even more, and True. and it, and it, and, it, and it starts it again, you know. So, I and I, I don't I don't like being um negative about it, but it's realistic. Yeah. Um, it's we're not. I'm. I love that a lot of people have come to that stage when they're like, "Oh, live and let live. Do what you want. I think it's fabulous." And and kind of people ask the question, "Why? You know, why do you need pride? You know, because mm. we're, we're everyone agrees with you. Everyone's behind you. No, they're not." Yeah. On the contrary, there's 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 still a huge fight to happen. You know? Yeah. It's, it's it's funny you should mention that because I was actually like Emma said the the drag show on Wednesday that someone put drag on the host. Um mm-hmm. and obviously like he's uh, like said so they did like all the makeup and everything on him and he's a gay guy, um and he is relatively flamboyant in the way he dresses anyway, like relatively dresses relatively femininely. But it just got me to thinking if I was there, I'd be perfectly happy for someone to put drag on me. I think it'd be funny and I'd like to see what it looked like. But then I was thinking, oh, thanks. Yeah, Um, we can get those cheap ones right out, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sculpt that nose down. (laughs) But then I was thinking, would I be comfortable walking home? And it's not that far. It's probably about a seven or eight minute walk. Right. But it's not through a particularly pleasant area. I'd be walking through an area where there are a lot of, which Raval, so it's like there's a lot of unsavory characters there. Would I feel comfortable? Because if I was in, obviously I wouldn't have the wig on if I was walking home, but I, I would have some probably ridiculous makeup on. Mm. So everyone would be staring. And I'm like, would I feel comfortable doing that? Mm. And I probably would do it because I'd be curious to see the reactions. But would I feel comfortable? Probably not. Would have a vulnerability come over? It is you, a vulnerability. You know? and, and guess what? You'd probably be absolutely fine. I and, probably and, would you know, be fine. You'd be absolutely grand because you know, again, you know, you're you're a big lad as well, yeah. so you'd be grand. But there's there's still that oh what if and yeah. that, and that and we need to get rid of. That. I want I want love to get rid of that oh that that scary what if still mm-hmm. not there because I've know? even like I I've sort of changed the way I dress relatively recently as oh, well yeah. because I used to peacock i used to always like wearing you know really patterny colorful clothes and shirts and all that type of thing and i i don't know i like them i think they look visually nice mm. um you know like the classic kind of like flowery patterny summery okay. shirts and yeah. stuff those and i used to always go to brunch electronic on the mountain and then i'd like soak my shirt through with, with sweat and then there'd always be these vintage shirts and i'd buy another one while i was there and i used to like wearing all that type of clothes but then i sort of realized like once i got in a relationship i was like do I need to be peacocking? Because it, ultimately, I suppose that's what it is. You're you're trying to express some part of your personality through the clothes, but you are drawing attention to yourself. Um, and I'm like, do I want to carry on drawing attention to myself in an area that's not? So you partic- were so you were only wearing these clothes in order to attract. I don't know. I suppose like I like the way they look visually. That's it. That's good. Um, I want to see you back in these clothes, please. Yeah, that's what my mum says. Because but then they- I do also like wearing just plain clothes. But right. I think part of it came down to. I want to stop trying to express myself through clothes oh. and learn to express myself just plain. 
you know like my mum kept saying to me when she saw some of my videos performing she i i was it was summer anyway so i just i have like three pairs of sports shorts which i wear all summer and that's it i just rotate those and then rotate my t-shirts and so i'd always be on stage wearing just black sports shorts and a black t-shirt basically and my mum's like oh why are you why are you always wearing black on stage like wear some trousers put something nice on i'm like yeah but i want to be comfortable getting on a stage looking like shit (laughs) but comfortable with that because then it means that you can never be caught short Mm -hmm. and i don't know it is also i remember i think it was a job interview or something like that or someone saying that you know you should always dress up for work and put a suit on for work because then you know you feel like if you dress like you're the shit then you'll be the shit and all that and i'm like don't really think that's the right message to be given in a work situation because then it's like what happens in the rest of your life when you're not wearing a suit are you not the shit then because you're not wearing a suit but i think i think no i, I think what clothes do is they definitely empower they definitely add to add to it and mm. like you know I, I don't think if if i you know i'm still a bonnie laddie out of drag yeah, yeah i can still turn that character on immediately um but the clothes definitely help mm-hmm. the the wigs and the, and the makeup because it's the same with makeup as well like all these things are through it in, in order to empower so um i hate this phrase but rupaul says that you're born naked and the rest is drag um yeah. so you ever heard that before no I don't yeah think so, it's, one of like RuPaul's, it. it's one of rupaul's classic phrases he said you're born naked and the rest is drag so like everything that you put on everything that you choose to put on you, you choose is you know you're even if it's your black sports shirt and your black t-shirt you're wanting to give it you're wanting to be comfortable okay but it's also projecting this maybe idea that like you don't really give a shit which is maybe something that you want to project you know even like so, so you do give a shit so there's like you know it's it, it, I, I do think clothing and and what you put on yourself um does matter and and does it does it does something to you mm. i know i know for a fact that you know i yes i can turn on and off on you whenever i want to but when i put that makeup on i become her and that in that in the clothes and the wigs and that sort of thing so I think it's really interesting about clothing for yourself, but I, I see clothing definitely what I'm wearing right now. Like I, I'm kind of giving you British chow, <laughs> um, but again, the kind of code switching. You know, mm. I, I I come in looking not entirely masculine, but like it would be interesting. It, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be very John JG to walk in like with full like a full drag on. You know, mm-hmm. so but I I think um I, I run after onto the I've chosen purposefully. You know. But one thing I also, part of the the peacocking, and again, this is probably just me overthinking things because that is, I do have a tendency for that. But part of it as well, with like the fancy colourful shirts and everything, I felt almost like, um, as I'm living in a poor area, Raval's relatively poor, you know, there's a lot of, um, there is a lot of very poor people there, a lot of immigrants and everything. And I almost felt like, I'm just giving off this kind of, oh, look at me. I'm strutting around here with my money and my like flashy shirt and stuff. And I almost felt like it was, I felt like I wanted to just be able to blend in more to not separate myself from people in that sense. And why do you want to blend in? I don't, well, it's not that I want to blend in. It's yeah, that I, I don't see you as a person who blends in at all. <laughs> like... But it's, it's more the sense that I don't, I don't want to put my I put my privilege on show. Right. Okay. That's it. It's not that, so. It's like. Why are you in there wearing Versace? Like. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But jo- but in in the case of these like very fancy shirts, they're not expensive. You know, fifteen euros. But it's okay. they look flashy. Right. Because they're really colourful and really, um, like 
and one of the shirts I've got I really love is you know the typical African shirts that have got the two pockets there and they tend to have you know like they might be like various different colors and they have all the different patterns all over oh, them okay. you know the ones they mean yeah, got yeah. one of those and I love it and when I wear it African people are always like oh man I love your shirt and like I like wearing that but then I also feel like I'm parading around like I don't know I just it makes me feel odd also wearing it I wouldn't feel odd like that if I was in England doing it Huh. But for some reason, I started feeling odd doing it around here, and I thought, "Do I want to be doing this?" Just in your little zone. What if you're up in Ejampla or somewhere different, or in Bourne? Just, just in Reval, you feel like that, or just across? I don't know. Oh no, I think I think you should definitely wear whatever the fuck you want, babe. Because and it's because they it. I think clothing is definitely is really really important, and it really does it. You can express a lot through it. You said you can express yourself just by being plain. But then that you're expressing that then, like if you want you you, you know your clothing and whatever you you whatever you put on your body, it does does matter, um in my I mean in my, in my opinion and I think like in you we can say it doesn't have to be you know, be expensive stuff you have to be walking about in Gucci, but like you should you know there's a, a pride in your appearance, take like having looking and that can be if your hair's done or if you if you wear makeup or whatever, like it's it definitely it does matter and and that for me definitely out of drag and in drag it matters you know mm. I, I really want to be presenting that you know because you're a whole package right so the gift wrapping should be nice i feel yeah and it, it's something that's been playing on my mind a lot recently and i always talk about emma with it because like for example i shaved my head I, and I, i've grown it back now but i had it shaved for i don't know like 18 months or something and i love having it shaved mm -hmm. um it's no hassle and i just i I think I've been so obsessed and I always, I used to be overweight and I hated it right. so, 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 so much. And so much of my focus was looking at myself in the mirror and hating myself for like most of my life. Oh, honey, a piece so, of choir here. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then I was like, Do you know what? Fuck this. I want to stop putting emphasis on my appearance. Just wear comfortable clothes. Right. And get used to just being me. Okay. Get used to just accepting, you know, no, you no, no now? bells and whistles, you know, shave my head, wear plain clothes, no bells and whistles and get used to that. And then after once I'm comfortable with that, then you can start adding little embellishments and taking back some of the things you used to do. Like stripping back and, and finding find yourself happy with yourself and then decorating. Exactly. And I've done that's what I've tried to do okay. in every aspect of my life, you know, fitness, diet sleep relationships everything just strip everything to the core mm -hmm. and then slowly add tiny little bits of things back and dragging, I know, it, dragging it up dragging it up exactly yeah, and at some point i could totally see myself try and drag just for the sake of it you know just because i think it's a it's a useful way for people to explore mm -hmm. another part of their personality well that's and, and again I, i'm not rupaul's fucking therapist here but yeah, I, 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 I have all i have all of our quotes she also says that drag doesn't change who you are, it reveals who you are. <laughs> and I think that's true as well. I think that Bonnie's definitely an extension of me and, you know, it, inspired by all the women in my life and men in my life as well. Um, and But drag definitely, like, it shows you something you may not have known about yourself. And, and that, what that might be is that, oh, I really like wearing women's wonderwear, but who knew? <laughs> but it can be something just, it's a really empowering thing. Let's do it. I think we should. I, I, I want to get you in full drag, a full, full beat. Thank you. Yeah, we can do That'd it. That'd be stunning. Um, but I, it's something something I've been really putting a lot of thought into, and it's something I'm going to be studying a bit more. Is just 
the role of masculine and feminine within all of us right you know because whether people like it or not the terms masculine and feminine exist and i think that really masculine traits and feminine traits tend to be related to the masculine and feminine sex hormones um you know because there are certain traits that come from higher or lower levels of certain hormones and and certain traits which come from higher or low, lower levels of this so what i'm saying is that everybody within them you might have someone who is physically a male but they might be really feminine or and they so they might have 90 percent feminine energy let's call it 10 percent masculine or you might have the reverse and you have everybody that's all totally mixed around and mm-hmm. everybody has different parts of masculine different parts of feminine and i think that it's so important for everybody to explore this the non-dominant side for them there you, might be some people that are 50 50 well you're touching, you know? you're, you're, you're touching on something very important um and it, and it does it does kind of encompass the whole trans issue and then the whole in all of these so things about like masculine and femininity in terms of like you know, you're talking about science and you know, estrogen and testosterone, that's the science of it, okay? But talking about like traits and what's expected of you, that is entirely learned behavior. Mm-hmm. Gender is gender is a construct, it's not real. It's something you know, the idea of what, what being what if you have if a, if a baby was born um, and it was it was you know, a baby boy or a baby man with a baby male was born and we put it in a padded cell for the first 18 years of its life. It wouldn't know what masculine traits are or feminine traits are because because they are completely society society constructs i'm not sure if that's true no i'm not i'm not sure if i'd agree with that because so you, you think the boy would the, the, the baby boy would would, would not naturally gravitate towards color blue for example in, in terms of colors that's something constructed but in terms of interests i think that they are they are more likely to be even if you took someone away, you're more, they would end up more likely to be gravitating towards certain careers, for example. And like an example of an example of what I'm saying at the moment is Sweden is considered to be a very equal society with very equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the more equal you make a society, the more divided jobs are. For example, the biggest difference, mark, like the biggest difference measurable between males and females is that men tend to be more interested in things and women tend to be more interested in people so when you drag that out to the extremes you get if you're extremely interested in things what do you become an engineer mm-hmm. and if you're extremely interested in people what do you become a therapist a nurse uh, a teacher for example and when you look at those professions overwhelmingly engineers are men overwhelmingly teachers therapists um and what's the thing i mentioned nurses are female and that's actually it's actually the more equal the society the more option the more choice that people have to choose whatever they want they naturally will gravitate to that but then there are millions of female engineers and millions of male teachers i'm a male teacher of course you know and like so like so, so I, 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 would be, I would be someone who goes, who goes against that entire theory. Of course, no, but that a theory doesn't mean that everyone. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, uh, yeah, of yeah, course yeah. it's not, but it's on the whole. That's the theory of that on the whole, people will naturally gravitate towards those. And I, I would think that that's more likely to be because of hormones inside of us. 
um, hormones and genetics, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously environment then plays into it. You know, you have. I think certain... environment plays more than we think it does. Oh, uh, environment has a huge impact for you know turning on genes that might already be present and shaping where you are. You know, for example, I've got two older sisters, so I'm always been very comfortable around women, mm-hmm. and maybe even more so than around men. I've just been com- like fine, but maybe if I had two older brothers, I would be not comfortable around women at all. Right. You know, so of course it it plays into it there, but I think that your interests are are very set pretty early on. Like I can look at like my my nieces and nephews, and you see like my nephew is obsessed with trains yeah. and cars and things with wheels, and then you get the my two nieces who love playing houses and right. dolls and families. And that's, you know, that's not something they're told to do because that's before they even go to school, really. I don't know if I agree with that. I think they, they, that's the toys they're given. Mm. It may be the, cho- the toys they've chosen as well, but, like, think about how many how many uh, dolls are available for boys to choose. How many, you know I mean, like, if they go down, if they want to toys that runs or anything, the boys' section is very quick, fairly marked, and the girls' section is quite fairly marked. It's like all these things are constructed for us. They're, they're they're given to us because that's what what's what gender is. So boys play with cars, girls play with dolls. Like you know, so that that that's how it happens. It's not it's not it's not just it's not your your nephew has not gone like I like cars, so I want cars. You got your 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 nephew's been saying here are your here are your options of toys, and that's how it happens. I've got the same options, and I was like, well, I want to play with a Barbie. Hmm. I'm. I don't know. I think that I think that it is. It definitely is partly. It definitely is partly constructed, and obviously the choices are already there. Mm-hmm. But I think an innate in you know an innate interest. If my 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 sister's family there, they're pretty open. My sister is a teacher, and I expect a specifically teacher of people with learning difficulties, mm-hmm. and so she's very well versed on teaching methods and like and yeah. kids and everything and i think that that's what if, if, if your nephew decided he wants to live with dolls it wouldn't be a problem then that's what i mean yeah, and he, yeah, and, he yeah. has, and he has access to dolls because yeah, of his uh-huh. older sisters right mm-hmm. and like for example he they'll dress him up in in like uh girl like you know like little girl costumes which is what obviously the um girls like to do they like to dress them up and like probably the same thing happened to me i'm sure um but um Ultimately, he still loves things with wheels, and that's just one example. But that this this is the theory, anyway, and it's just something that I'm so interested with in the moment. Is just you know, it it stems from thousands of years ago, yin and yang, masculine, feminine, and you look at all different ancient traditions, and they've always got this balance, light and dark, masculine, feminine, of these energies inside of us, mm-hmm. and you know, one one side of it is you need to be, be you need to be able to integrate both sides of them because if you're too masculine you've got no but that's the thing i think there's a lot of people who who feel that like embracing the other is going to negate the other you know like these macho men who's, who who don't want to do anything that's perceived as traditionally feminine like be with people or choose a, jo- a career that's that's you know more social or even like you know shed a tear or show any kind of vulnerability because that's kind of feminine because it's when they're going to lose some sort of some sort of their some part of their masculinity yeah, you know, it is I, I I put on a dress and and you know twirl about and and be alright, 
uh, like a complete clown most weekends, but it doesn't take away any of my masculinity. And well, you, you, is that the question? Which probably for another podcast, like what is masculinity? What is feminine? You know, like like how do we define that? Yeah. Um, and because like I, I, you know, I out of drag, I, I identify as a cisgendered male. Like I'm a gay, but I'm I'm I I I identify in the body I was I find a birth, you know. Um. So, but I have all these like masculine traits as well. But I'm inter interested with my femininity. Like I think I'm a really like well-rounded person that way. Yeah, yeah. Um. But like me doing drag, or indeed me being like you know a man and doing my, my masculine things doesn't negate from Bonnie's you know femininity. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. I don't think one cancels out the other, which I think is what a lot of people are frightened of. Yeah, and I just think that that there's there's an, another theory as well i can't remember i read it before that the closer you can get to the center basically androgyny where is a, is a mixture of masculine and feminine right the closer you can get to there or people that are naturally closer to that are more intelligent and it's like it kind of makes sense <laughs> yeah it, 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 it kind of makes sense because it's like if you've got both of these sides really well integrated in you yeah it is a whole new aspect of personality because you could have the most feminine person ever mm -hmm. uh and they would be great at doing things that are suited for that personality but then they would probably be terrible at doing opposite things and and vice versa you know really masculine person the is unlikely to be good at empathy naturally they can obviously learn things like that and conversation mm -hmm. and it even it even stems back to something i read which is pretty interesting that women became women were the first ones to develop communication because they needed it because typically the men would go out and hunt they would have to basically be really silent for ages while they're stalking prey lying there trying to hunt doing whatever the women would be women would be back home trying to plan things organize things arrange things you know teach everything like that and so it was actually women that developed language in the first place and that's why women ended up being better at communicating and men like stereotypically are bad at communicating Wait, because that, it, it stemmed from something that's back again that was that that, that was that was environment did that yeah that wasn't they weren't born and going i'm a communicator and i'm not like it that that was environment that did that like mm. they, they had to go and be silent and and be out when they're hunting or whatever you know and the women had to do that so it wasn't it wasn't like a case of like they were born into that ability they had to so again, that so that's as a separate environment that caused that. Yeah, super interesting. I just find the whole, I find the whole personality, gender, sexuality, like all of those things, so interesting. Mm -hmm. Because like for example, I'm a man, cisgender, heterosexual, but I'm way more interested in people than I am in things. So I'm like the opposite, the opposite way. So I suppose I'm more of a feminine man in in that feminine sense quality or feminine, quality. feminine quality there, so then yeah. sometimes i think that like as you know as i always felt more comfortable around women that i should probably learn to get more comfortable around men and learn to embrace more of the masculine traits mm -hmm. because i suppose the feminine ones came easier like being emotional and communicative and everything like that then embrace learn to embrace the the masculine the kind of the more like orderly side of me and yeah but i suppose that's just it's super interesting and i'm really interested to learn so much more about it like i went to see i don't know if you know k tempest 
So K, K Tempest, I only actually found out about they the other, like a couple of months ago, because they are a spoken word poet turned performer turned just absolutely epic the concept is in apollo um and basically kate Temp kate tempest was originally kate tempest female trans inter male but now identifies as they so it's the first person that i'd seen that i know of that now uses the pronoun they okay. um and i was actually right on the front the stage listening to their music and when i because i've been really interested in visually looking at people you know visually to try and see how masculine and feminine play out in people's appearance the natural appearance you know there are certain characteristics which are masculine you know like the strong jawline yeah. and everything and there are certain characteristics which are more feminine and when i looked at k it just made so much sense to be called they and them because oh, I saw yeah. so many, it, it was like I was seeing male, female, young, old, and just all these different personalities in the same face. And I was like, it just, I was like, oh, this makes total sense. Because it's, it's been, it's, it's very difficult without having any direct interaction or understanding. I've been really um, eager to learn and understand the new pronoun situation mm -hmm. because it's, it's complicated and it's confusing. From yeah. a distance, yeah. you know, a, how a person can want to be called they and them mm -hmm. is, is, is a confusing concept. I know, I, I, and, and I, think, I think we have to give a kind of, you know, an there's a bit of understanding and a bit of like, kind of leeway to, you know, people getting on board with it. Yeah. And, unless you're going to reject it and be rude about it, but like, there's going to be mess, there's going to be slip ups, there's going to be mistakes, and I think, but I think, um, I think the, the community are, you know, very, very welcome of people who are trying, you know, make it, people making an effort is important. People, people disregarding it is what we're having issues with. Because I, I think that one of the one of the things is that most people are not assholes, <laughs> and like most people, they're just not. Mm -hmm. You know, there are assholes everywhere. People are ignorant through no fault of their own, really. Right. Um, and including myself, you know, like I try to educate myself the best I can, try to wrap my head around things. But sometimes you need someone. I need someone to explain to me this is like this because A B C D E. I need a little bit of science behind it. I need a, I need to be able to wrap my head around the the emotional side of it as well as the actual the logic. logic and mm -hmm. the high because if not, I, it it does I can't get it. it. I don't get it. it. Does not compute. So like, it's really it's really important because if you just if if you just start saying to people right, you need to call me this. I I'm called this. I'm called that. People are like, what? I don't get it. You know, and it, it, there needs to be some sort of explanation and patience and all these type of things yeah. which i'm sure there is I, there, there, there's there's plenty of that and there's there's lots there's lots to be read up on but i think in general if someone wants to call someone just respect them and do your best to to, to, to do that for them you know they, you know this person will be going on a journey themselves and they have self-discovery and you know where, like i said people are now starting to realize that this is nothing new what what's happening now is it's not new. There's just terminology for it now. There was there was never terminology for it in the past. You were just a weirdo or a freak or gay or you know even even you know you, you people would go as far as saying they were trans and I was like there was there was not there, now there's terminology for it. Now we have non-binary gender fluid. We have all this things for it now. So like great. It's just mm. it's just people getting getting bogged down with the jargon. 
and, and freaked out by it. But that's nothing new. This has been the like, existed for time memorial. Yeah, but it's, for me, it's about really understanding that person. Like, for example, them and they, that's plural. So that person must obviously really strongly feel multiple pulls. No, no, you can, you can use they in the singular. For example, um, yesterday I found a wallet in the street, um, but I don't know who it belongs to. Yeah, it's theirs. So I'm going to, when, when, look, there's a name on the card, I'm going to phone that card to see, see if they answer it. Like they, like the, it, it, you can use that in the singular. It's been, it was used, Old English, it was used in the singular. Um, yeah. True, true, true. Uh, it's, it, it, and I think it's really interesting the idea, this idea of Cronus as well, because it's actually a very, uh, very linguistic thing, because, you know, there's a lot of languages that don't actually use pronouns at all. Turkish, for example, German uses three pronouns. Yeah. Um, and, and English has, but not, not all languages use pronouns. So things of it's a very, it's a, it's a very kind of like, Anglo-centric ideology. Um, Spain, Spain's catching up as well. Spain have got more inclusive language. Yeah, um, which is using like the LXS. Yeah, and the Todas. Yeah, the AUs, Yeah, uh-huh. um, but it's it's just it's just language evolves. You know, mm. the the like the languages you know it for the past twenty odd thirty years of your life has you know has existed like that for that time. But like it's you know thirty years before that, there was differences and changes and. The Oxford, the Oxford Dictionary adds new words in every month, you know. It's it's always expanding. It's always as because like as a apart from being a drag queen, I'm also a linguist. Mm. You know, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm an English teacher, but you know, my background's in linguistics, so I'm very interested in in that sort of thing. And it's totally normal that the language does evolve again. Mm. And maybe we're maybe, maybe we're in this kind of like new time in history where we're going to see another evolution, which is fabulous. Yeah, and I'm all for that. It just got me thinking about how maybe, maybe, I suppose I'd have to hear Kay's um, perspective on it, but it just got me to thinking that if you were to transition from one um, sex to the other, you would have, because in, in one of their songs, you mentioned about um, just like the little girl being there, you know, the little girl that they were and now the boy that they are mm-hmm. and all this and then it just got me to thinking that you would have you would strongly have two people inside of you really because that old person would still be there and that can happen for many people you know many people go through a rebirth a spiritual rebirth where the old you dies and the new one comes but it i understood from the from being called they and them that it was more because of the duality inside I don't think so. but maybe I, mean, I, I could be t- i could be totally wrong I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a trans person but uh, i i don't I, or a, or a non-binary i don't think so because i think that the, the, the idea behind it is that like that person who they were you know all, all these changes that they'll always change here been there's been a name change mm. and a pronoun change they were always you know like the trans masculine person that that little girl who was born a little girl was always you know man but yeah like but then it, it took it took a name change and and a societal shift for it to kind of be i don't i don't think that it was like okay that person stopped living and then there's a new person has, has never emerged that that person is still that person i don't i don't i mean i'm sure I, everyone's got a sense of duality to them i mean look at yeah. bon mm-hmm. but like every, everyone's got a jekyll and Hyde sort of thing but i don't think that's what's happening with trans people 
I think it's like they they were always that person, and now they're just they now they're being able to live that live life as that person with that name, with that like the way society society sees them the way they've always seen themselves. Now mm. that's what they want, and that's that's how I think. I think it's a nice idea what you're saying, and and and, and again, again, I, I get you're trying to like um place that logic into it, um, but sometimes we just have to go great do it do it for yourself and mm-hmm. and and i'm behind you and i'll and i'll i'll try my hardest to to uh to, to be by your side or, or to if it's especially someone you know and you love and you're you're you're, you're friends with um but anybody you know yeah you know just but i think from i think it's definitely this person is now being able to be seen by society the way they've always seen themselves when they've always wanted to be seen yeah and i again like i am totally behind it and I think that for anyone to be able to feel comfortable in themselves is a beautiful thing and should be encouraged always. Um, I'm, I suppose I'm just, I'm interested in the psychology. Yeah. I'm interested in like, in, in I'm, I'm trying to empathize, but obviously sometimes you can't, you can't, no. I, I, I want, you know, like I do it with like serial killers. I try and empathize and I try and put myself like, how would they be thinking? How would they yeah. be feeling about this? Like what is going through their head when they're doing it? And sometimes you just can't. Um, but that's why I suppose that it's good to, I suppose I'll have to get a trans person on to talk and then explain. Definitely. I can give you what what, what I know from my, my wonderful trans people in my life. Mm. Um, I'm not trans, but I, or even non-binary, but I, I can, I know, I, I know just from, from being around them, what, what, what it is they, what it is they talk about. But definitely you need a, a trans person on to, to really have this conversation because they can, they can, uh, they can definitely enlighten you. Yeah. Sure, Cause I sure. know a few trans people, but then, and I spoke, I, I spoke to one of them, um, but it was quite a few years ago now. And I didn't, I think it was, it was relatively fresh mm-hmm. and so she hadn't properly transitioned. She was living as a woman at first to see like, to, I don't know, break into it, I suppose. So like, I, I felt like it was probably a bit too fresh for me to start grilling her <laughs> about it, but maybe now's the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to when you, uh, you mentioned to me that there was then some, cause I asked you what happened you like did any of your students when you were teaching because now you're a teacher trainer right but uh-huh. you mentioned that when you were a teacher yes. some of your students found out and right. that caused some repercussions okay so um i i used to be like a high school teacher um and my students always kind of worked out that i was gay because mm. I, I was never hiding it um but i kept the the drag thing relatively secret because Catholic schools, you're in the Catholic church coming into my life again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I kept it relatively late, didn't really talk about it. And also because it was a Catholic um private school, so it, it could might have caused a dismissal or anything like that. So was that that was here, isn't it? It was here, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And 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 Lucia when I was when I was there as well. Um but this one in particular was particularly posh, particularly okay. people, particularly that kind of person. Um and it was actually I'd been I've taught them before. And then they'd left school already. And then this girl and her friend were in the bar and recognised me. Like, oh, you're JD. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then it just so happened that, like, this, she also had uh, a sister who was still at the school. Oh. And then it all trickled down. And of course, I'm like, yeah. Now, um, nothing, I didn't get fired or anything like that. But there was definitely uh, a sense that the kids were fighting. The kids were brilliant about it. Teens had no issues. They thought it was fab. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
um, there would have been a few kind of stern parents had uh, voiced. I don't know what they said or what they were told, but I heard that there was parents who were not happy about it. And this was just this was the pandemic had just hit in at this point. It was just all kind of like happened at once. And um, in the school that I was working in, um, I I kind of stopped stopped working there. And because I was working with um, uh, I won't say the names, but I was in another kind of international um language academy that had affiliations with high schools, you know, um, and I was working more with them. And then during the pandemic, what happened? That that actual academy ended up falling apart. Everyone knows what it is. <laughs> um, and I ended up thinking, seeing this as a perfect opportunity to just get out. Mm-hmm. So I got out and started and went went freelance and started doing it myself because I figured. I'm gonna to have to go back to this school eventually when the, when we're all opened up again. I'm gonna to have to go back and face this, and I don't want to. <laughs> so I was like, I just don't. I don't, I'm not. I'm not interested. So I felt it was kind of perfect time, and I was also in this kind of different during the pandemic. I was feeling like I wanted to come away from teaching entirely because I was like, I was not starting. I'm starting to become uninspired. I don't really enjoy it anymore, um, especially the, all the online teaching. I couldn't be arsed. Um, and then this opportunity presented itself in September, uh, where I'm now working. With this fabulous college where I'm, um, teaching new teachers, so mm. it's, it's great. Yeah, I get kind of like it reignited that passion there for me as well. And they, well, you were there last weekend. They all the the Christmas night out was last yeah. last weekend, and the whole staff came, and they absolutely loved it. They were obsessing over it until Thursday this week, <laughs> and they want to come to the next one. Yeah. So that that was really nice. Like to have mm. been in a situation where I didn't have to hide it because I was it was very secretive before, mm-hmm. but now I'm in a situation where like not only do they know about it. They come, celebrate it, love it, promote it. So that's that's great. Yeah, it's just funny that you can like mess with them a bit as well. Like I think I don't know if it was you or Jonah that was like the boss of it or something. Oh yeah, that, yeah. That he was like messing with it. it was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and you mentioned to me as well that um, this year I think it's this year anyway that there's been some pretty wild events that you you know this year has been a, a big year of growth for you definitely um so do you want to talk about some of the, the sure. big things that have happened this year well yeah i kind of like i i'm the giddy queen here um uh, there's, there's there's plenty of it but um i was really lucky last last year um to get a gig where i was doing the mr rubber spain for your fetish competitions to find the, the mr rubber you know like miss miss america mm-hmm. mrs mr rubber mr fetish so I did this last year, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." I was just happened to know someone who was involved in that world, and I got involved, did it, had a fabulous time, and lo and behold, um, there was a one of the kind of big Spanish porn studios, gay porn studios, were there, and took a shine to me, mm. and I've been working with them ever since. Now I'm not doing porn, chill out. <laughs> um, I'm well, I'm I am in a few movies, but I'm I'm in the parts where like you skip until you get to the good stuff. <laughs> I'm like the comic relief at the beginning or the end. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's so much fun, and then I ended up going to so what, do you, what you like introduce them or so I'll play like a like a a role like oh. like like a non sexual stupid like dumb just a dumb part like it's just, like I did like you know you, you know the Squid Game. Mm. So I, I, I did like a, a role in that where I was like, you know, the little doll that turns around and shits them. I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I, I haven't just, seen I it. Whoever who does see it, um, I did that. It was, as one we lad it. As one we lad it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then in April this year, I went to the Grabbies, which is like the the Oscars of gay porn, <laughs> and uh, I was I was like performing at that. And then from there, I ended up in Berlin, um, hosting the Hustler Ball in the Kit Kat Club. 
and the Kit Kat Club is just wow, it's Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's fabulous. Um, and yeah, so since then, just like lots of different opportunities have came up working in the, the porn industry, which I did not expect. And for that very reason, I'm really glad that I don't teach kids anymore, <laughs> just because I feel like that just position is a little bit too much for them to handle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if. I wonder if they found out about that. I wonder if that would be sackable. Uh... I could imagine it would be. Because <laughs> uh, some of the videos that I'm involved in, although it's non-sexual and I'm, I'm not there, there I don't want people around me are definitely. <laughs> so, aye, it's a bit much. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of where I am now um, involved in this mad world. I've applied for um, the Spanish drag race a few times mm-hmm. and, um, and got quite nice feedback from them. Um, and, you know, I'll try, I'll try again for season four, see what happens. Um, and what about like UK ones and stuff? Is there one? I, yeah, I auditioned for the UK one for season two and three. But then it's really interesting because I, Bonnie Miladi was born in Spain. Like she, mm. like her, her roots are Scottish, of course, and the, the references are Scottish. But like I was, she was born in Spain in 2016. <laughs> um, so I, I, I see, I see I would have more success in the Spanish franchise because of how different i am you know yeah um, true. They, here whereas opposed to like in in spain in the uk there's there's quite a lot of me <laughs> true 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 um but yeah and then I, I recently got confirmed that i'm going to be performing at the ziget festival in hungary budapest uh next summer oh is that is that the one that's on like a little island that's the, the one oh, yeah yeah yeah, cool. yeah um so i went there like 2009 the prodigy were playing that's how long ago it was um and uh it was fantastic it's such it's like a you ever been to glastonbury like that no, vibe. It's, like, it's like that vibe not. it's like that vibe it's like very it's really really cool um but the and... island's not that big is it because like no it's not that big but, it, but it, it's, it's big enough to host uh to, to host a big festival and there's, yeah. like a, there's like a main stage and a few little side stages i'm going to be hosting some drag brunches there over the, over the course of the festival and we're also going to be performing this like kind of queer cabaret in one of the side stages so yeah that me, is pretty cool. Me and Billie Eilish. <laughs> I'll probably never meet her, let's be real. But she's in the same bill as me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really, really cool things are happening. It's fabulous. And um, yeah, let's see where it takes us. So. I, mean, I mean, you might meet her because, um, like, what if Billie Eilish loves drag? Exactly, you can imagine. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's going to be a lot of singers and stuff there. And not many drag queens not so, many saxophone players not many saxophone the eyelash here though <laughs> yeah not many saxophone players in case she wants a a um backing drag yeah. queen saxophone player for one of her songs I, mean, not. I reckon you might meet her though so, i mean if, if she's if she's in the thing and then and then she gets wind that there's a drag queen maybe she'll come along maybe and just show oh. her face well, who else is playing uh, <laughs> i haven't looked at the bill i know she's on um the, the, I think it's quite early doors in terms of like what type, what like what John, like what type of music is it? It's a bit of, I mean, a bit of everything. When I, when I went there in two thousand and nine, like the prodigy, chemical, my chemical brother, my chemical brother, my chemical romance. Sorry, no, no, chemical brothers. Oh. I wanted to say, um, were were the big bells, you know, um. So, but now Billy Eilish, so I suppose like eclectic pop mix, like kind of. Look, you can like what Primavera does as well. There's like kind of a like big, you know, like big pop stars, mm. but then. Mixed, scattered with like lots of different you know indie bands and stuff it's, there's lots i think there's lots going on in it but it's a really fab really really fun festival um that's next august i remember chemical brothers played here for sonar 
few years ago and I went um I went with a few friends, we got a ticket last minute and I was absolutely fucked and then I was walking down to see Chemical Brothers. I just remember walking down there, next thing I knew I woke up face down on the floor by the waltzers at like four o'clock in the morning. Most people were gone. I was Def- like, remember nothing. That definitely sounds like Chemical Brothers to me. I remember <laughs> absolutely nothing of of the whole festival. Wow. I just got there, walked towards the Chemical Brothers, woke up by the waltzers. That was it. <laughs> Money well spent. <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah, literally like ninety-five euros or something. I spent for a last-minute day ticket, night ticket. Um, yeah. Well, I think we will start to wrap it up here. I think we've had a pretty. We've had a long run. Yeah, we've had yeah, a long yeah. run. Uh-huh. Um, wh- I will add links to everything in. But where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you? So I'm, I'm on I'm on Instagram uh, mostly and uh, Bonnie Wee Laddie. The we is not W-E-E, though. It's the French for yes, like Bonnie, we, oui, laddie, like Bonnie, yes, it's a boy. Um, so B-O-N-N-I-E-O-U-I-L-A-D-D-I-E. That's the one, you got it. Bonnie, uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, I've got a YouTube channel that I'm trying to you know, get kickstart properly again. Um, but yeah, definitely on those socials. And um, we're doing a drag dinner every month. Um, in Vivinos, which is a fabulous little wine bar in Bourne. In Barcelona. Uh, in Barcelona. Um, and like I said, the Pluma gig is the last Friday of every month in Believe and on Balmes in Barcelona. Um, and then if you follow my socials, you'll follow, you can follow all my shenanigans and what I'm up to and all my porn boys as well. You'll see what they're so up to. W- is, what, is there anything else crazy that's on the, on the agenda for 2023? Um, I'm I'm doing the grabbies again. Grabbies again. <laughs> I've been rehired for them, and uh, I can imagine I'll be doing more porny stuff and stuff. It's it's all it's all to kick off. Is um, the grabbies um, is it extravagant? It's wild. It's, it was the <laughs> it was the most fabulous weekend of my life. <laughs> Where is it? It was in Tormolinos in Malaga, oh. um, and it was like it was a three day event, and oh my god, I was. By the Sunday, I was like, I never want to see a dick in my life again. <laughs> and I fucking like Jesus, but it was fantastic. It was the most fun, and and everyone's like surprisingly enough in the in the in the porn industry it was so friendly, so lovely. Treated me when I was born, he treated me like the queen, like arena, and then when I was myself, treated like part of the team, like one of the boys. It was really nice. It was Aww. a really, it was like a a very much a exploration of the masculine and feminine, you know, code mm-hmm. switching with that. But it was really interesting and. They were uh, the, the most lovely, sometimes misunderstood people. But Aww. I had a really, really, really nice time with them. Yeah, I'd, it's like, I, I would love to, I'd love to just like experience something like that. But then I'm also a bit like, whoa, would it be too intense for me? Because <laughs> I'm like, <gasps> you know, let's take a step back. But if you yeah. see it, just to see it at least is something is pretty special. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, I think one of the, I can only hear one side. I can hear one side. Um, So the last thing that I always ask, I don't know what's happened here. Last thing I always ask, this is the quest for wisdom. Do you have words of wisdom for the audience? I've got loads. (laughs) I'm just going to try and narrow it down. I think what we're talking about today is more about like gender and expression and that sort of thing. And something that's really stuck with me today is about what you said about your clothing and saying that wear wear whatever the fuck you want to wear because and and but make sure make sure it's you because it i think the package matters mm. don't judge your book by its cover but we do 
<laughs> but we do. So yeah, the package matters. Like so, get your um. If the RuPaul, I don't hate lending a RuPaul quote again. But we're all born naked and under S's drag, so drag it up. Make sure, make sure you're always like your most fabulous. It's RuPaul's and, number one promo. I know, fuck. Um, and you're make sure you're looking as the way you want to look, the way you want to present yourself. It's important. Okay, the lovely words of wisdom from yourself. <laughs> so, I also have a, a little tradition at the end of this, where I will give you a little gift. Ah, a present. Get yourself a Quest for Wisdom T-shirt. Yes, fabulous. In black, it's my colour. Oh, it's good. Oh, look, the quality. It's, it's <laughs> very good quality. Very nice. Thank you so much, darling. I love it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Lam, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. That's thank so you. Fun. This has been great. I've learned a lot. <laughs> I hope everybody else has. Farewell for now. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Quest for Wisdom podcast with your host, Connor Monaghan. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support the show, then please like it, subscribe, and leave a review on whichever platform you are using. This small act is a massive help and is hugely appreciated. You can find more information about all of our guests on thequestforwisdom.com and follow us at thequestforwisdom on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for exciting updates. We also have a Patreon account for anyone who would like to contribute towards the running of the show. Finally, I would like to thank the Comedy Clubhouse in Barcelona for allowing us to record here and for their ongoing support. If you are ever in Barcelona, make sure to check it out for daily shows of comedy and performance art in English. Farewell for now. <laughs>